They want me to change, they want me to change, but I ain't changing, nah. And you are not tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerd DJ's radio network. Shout out to DJ Johnny O. Shout out to Big Hef. Shout out to T-Rex. You know, man, come on, man. I say it every week. I shouldn't have to, but you already know, man. I only fuck with legends around here. And today is absolutely no exception. We got the man, the myth, the legend himself, Twine Sack, in the building. What's going on, King? How you doing? What's up, player, man? Thank you for having me, man. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to mine. The honor is all mine, man. How's your family doing? Man, everything is good. You know, we're getting ready to put some uh, ribs on the grill for Memorial Day weekend and, and sit back and, and relax, man. Must be nice. I got to work all weekend. Ain't that a blip? <laughs> My bad. So how's life, man? What you doing? What's new? Man, really? Yeah, I mean, life is good, man. I really just been uh, been blessed to stay on this journey of music. I've been in the game almost 20 years now, uh, hitting my my 40s, you know, so now I'm kind of in that, that vibe where I'm kind of thinking in the mindset of, of Master P and, and, you know, taking the game to the next level with the business and try to help the young and up and coming artists uh, navigate through this uh, volatile business of this uh, ever-changing music industry. All right. So you go from being signed to Universal, if I remember correctly, to saying, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do it independently. From from day one to right now, what's the best improvement and the worst? Um, well, back then, uh, you know, this was like the early 2000s when I, um, I pretty much had a record deal from all eight major record labels for a song a record that I had called Cadillac Love. And um, I had knew enough about the business to read the imprint of the language. And, uh, you know, it's also a shout out to my guy, Tech Nine. Um, at that time, he was actually battling to get out of Universal's deal uh, to go independent. And so just chopping it up with him and uh, just weighing out the options. Basically, uh, it was given an option. Either you want to have a career or you want to be uh, overnight and out the game. You know, so I chose independence and here I am 20 years. And I, I would say that the major difference is, is loving and being able to do exactly what I want to do, release the music when I want to do and move around how I want to move around. Yo, Tech Nine is is... I don't know, maybe Tech Nine, maybe Too Short, maybe E40 as far as and Esham if you're from uh Detroit in the Midwest. But uh I'll say those those brothers as far as like the independent game, probably like the Mount Rushmore independence. What's what give me give me a couple of tidbits that he's giving you along the way, some gems that we can share with some some people that's going through the same thing you went through. Uh, I would say the biggest gem is uh, 100% control and ownership. Um, as you know, a lot of people know you sign that deal to the record label. Um, you pretty much sign over your name, your music and everything that comes along with it. So and I wasn't uh, prepared to do that, you know, so mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest gem he gave me. It, it kind of made the, um, you know, they kind of made it easy to, to choose the route I wanted to take. Are you holding your phone? Yeah. Yep, I'm holding it. Oh, set it down, bro. You'll be all right. You know, just throw it up against something. Yeah, this uh, see it moving. Yeah. yeah, hold on real quick, bro, bro. That's Yo, my and stand I, and I went back. right when I'm walking. 
I stand. I went back right and listened to some of your shit too, bro. I went back and listened to some yeah. of your, your 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 music, bro. You you had some heat. Man, I think the music was ahead of its time, man. To to be quite honest, yeah, the the gang was transitioning from gangster rap. And I was really on the weed rap and the laid back rap, you know, in the early 2000s before people even thought it was popular uh, mm-hmm. or whatnot. And, you know, at the end of the day, there was an underlying message with the music. And, you know, it was hope and uh, just moving forward, understanding the business. And at, at the end of the day, it was all about keeping it 100 percent and keeping it real. We really couldn't rap or talk about uh, anything in our lyrics unless we were actually doing that. So. If you uh, heard my music, you you pretty much know who Twan is. So you went from you went you you grew up in Kansas, right? Kansas City, correct, correct. Uh, Wichita. Right. Wichita. What's Wichita like? Wichita is the middle of the map. Uh, I think Wichita produced uh, some of the greatest hustlers, and um, and the reason why is because we are influenced the, from being in the middle. We influenced from the west. We influenced from the east. We influenced from the south. Um, so I think that with it being as small as it is, you know, we were able to think outside the box. Uh, you know, people say Wichita is country and it is country, but it's not farms and cows like they say it is. It's pretty much set up just like how L.A. South Central is. So to be able to navigate out that, I think it, it tremendously helped me uh, conquer this, this national giant as far as the music business goes. All right. And then you move where to Arizona? And then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Correct. All right. Is that where you still at? I'm still here. I'm between Phoenix, Atlanta, and Dallas. I got to um, basically connecting the pipeline from the Bay Area all the way to the Carolinas. So, and you're doing uh, and I had to write, the Smoke and Ride Mix show. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. What, how long have you been doing that? And, and what exactly is that? Um, the Smoke and Ride Mix show, we started it uh, roughly about how I kind of got the ideal is um, I was able to assist uh, Miss Deb uh, with the B100 platform for a short amount of time. And mm-hmm. in that process, you know, I was inspired to uh, help independent artists. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you're talking about Deb Ant- Anthony? Correct. All right. All right. My bad. Yeah, no, nah, you are. You're, well, you're you dropping did. a lot of names, nigga. I, I, I need people to know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's the only one Miss Deb. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, nah, but um, I got inspired uh, from being around with her approach of helping independent artists. And I saw the mix show platforms as another uh, outlet to help artists. So we started to smoke and ride mix show with, uh, with my, my guy, DJ Cadence. Uh, who is a core DJ out of Wichita. Uh, we've been doing music since day one. Uh, we mm-hmm. started the Smoke and Ride Mix show about three months ago with really only the intention to be in about, you know, three or four shows. And so far now with just in three months, it's grown to about 20, 20 different platforms. How? How you do that? I need the secret. <laughs> Work. You know, and, and again, I use the Wichita mentality is we have to think outside the box, you know. So with it being a business, it was very simple to me, you know, uh, market what we do and really what difference uh, what we set out to do difference is we combine old school, new school with a little bit of in between. And we also know there's a, a lot of need for music from the era of, I would say, 2010 to 2020 really didn't get the push like other music did. And I think a lot of that has to attribute to the, the streaming platforms coming into the market. Okay. Who, who's the GOAT from, from 2000 to now? 
Hip-hop wise, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think that a lot of the ones that I would consider would be the dope ones uh, that could lead our uh, generation for to come. They're all passed away. Um, and I, I look at Nipsey, uh, big fan of Nipsey, uh, big fan of Young Dolph and rest in peace to those two. But I thought those two were, were great legends, great pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be quite honest, in the last five or six years, uh, the music started to sound all the same. So it was hard to differentiate, you know, who's actually dope and who's not. And then the ones that I thought was dope, they end up going to jail or, like I said, dead. So right now the game is wide open. And that's kind of where I got the master P theory of, is, you know, if you can get in position and, and get 10 artists up under you and run them through distribution, let them keep their masters. Um, you got a chance to put an imprint on the game. It's wide yeah, open right now. Can you get niggas to stop telling on themselves? Nah, that's why you you know you got to catch them younger. You can't if you catch a nigga between eighteen, nineteen, and twenty five, he's probably a good chance that he you know gonna tell or he's just captivated to what the the industry shows them, and that's the this fake shit that's on Instagram. You know these likes, these views. So I actually go to 15 year olds, 16 year olds to where they're not tainted by life yet. You know, those are the ones that I would put my time investment into. And, and to be honest, everybody else that I have put my time and investment to, I'm like 0 for 15 on that aspect. And there's one key thing that's missing with most of those artists. You know what that is? I don't. The hustle. They have no, you can give a nigga 50 t-shirts and say, here, bro, go take these 50 t-shirts, bring me back 300. And you might have to call him back six months and he's still sitting on 40 of the 50 t-shirts. You know, so they don't really understand that the game really never was based on talent. Talent might have got you in the door, but it's always been about marketing. It's always been about hustling. And it's always been about, as we call it, the independent way, going out there and making a name for yourself. But is it that the hustle is is no longer about like the merch? At least from what I'm just an old nigga to just watch from the sidelines. But from what I see, like the merch is a byproduct of success now, as opposed to in concert with the growth. Yeah, it's it so, just flipped. The game just flip flop, you know. And now your consumer, they, they the reason why merch and those things are so important is because the merch, the the consumer is looking for tangibles you know that's why cds and all that so big time because you know they buy cd and then they come to the show and get an autograph now they have a tangible to show case you know where they met yet or whatnot so the game is just actually when i say flip-flop it used to be you get on the radio once you get on the radio you was pretty much gonna get set up for a deal now you can get on the radio and it really doesn't even matter because the consumer is not really uh, what I would say, you know, me and you old niggas, as they would say, you know what I'm saying? So the consumer um, that listens to the radio now is your average soccer mom, you know, uh, 70 to 80 percent of mer- music is purchased by suburban uh, America. So I think we lost touch uh, with our own communities. I think the OGs and the newbies, I think there's a bis- big disconnect between those two. And when you Man. disconnect that, you you lose with wisdom and you also lose the know-how. And these, these niggas is just out here blind, bro. They just have no clue. You know what's crazy is I, um, I literally posted today that I think Cardi B may actually be the best at reaching back 
to help up-and-comers, maybe in the history of hip-hop, if you want to be honest. Like, she seems to go out her way to, to, to just pick young people and say, hey, I, I, I fucks with your music, whether or not they popping or not. I fucks with what you're doing. Let me add my, 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 my talents to it or let me add my, my brand to it or let me, I'll post you or whatever the case may be. Why aren't more old heads doing that? Well, I think Cardi B is different than the other old heads because it's, it was twice as hard for a female to get in. Right. And so usually people that go through the, the most, the hardest struggles, those are the people that's more willing to help the next one get to the next level, you know. And so, you know, with Cardi's rise to success, I think she had a lot, a lot to go through, you know. And so when you're an artist and you understand what it takes to get there and, and the, the heartaches and all that, sometimes it humbles you. And, and really, uh, under divine intervention, that's kind of what your purpose in life is. You know, your purpose in life is to help others, you know, so she's a prime example of let me get in the door. I, and I look at it like this. It's like the SWAT. You know, usually when you have a SWAT call to, to an intruder's house, the mm -hmm. first person kicks open the door. He's probably the one that's going to get shot more than the rest. Thanks. And then the person that's in the back, they are the one that helps secure the, the perimeter. So, you know, Cardi, she kicked the door open and she was able to secure the perimeter. And another person that I like doing that same as well as J. Cole. You know, J. Cole is real big on finding artists on YouTube with, you know, less than 100 views and, and really uh, reaching out to them and, and taking them somewhere. You know who else I saw do that? Tyler, the creator. I saw a video of him yesterday. He was like, yeah, I forget who the kid's name was, but he was like, you know, I found so and so. And the nigga literally only had six views on his video. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. You know, but, you know, when you look at that grass game scheme of things, too, you know, you it's, it's so much involved in this. You got the, the evil fight versus the good fight, you know, and right now you're starting to see the emergence of the good hearted people. You know, as the Bible says, the good shall, you know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So it, it's our turn. It's, it's our turn to be first. And um, we're just starting to connect. You know, I, I appreciate you for having me on this wonderful platform. You know, and this is just an example of how two brothers can work together that come from nothing and can build a platform, connect with each other and then send this message out to the world and hopefully inspire that next person to become successful. Man, yo, how did you run across? How did you uh, meet uh, Tony Neal? Uh, it was it was crazy how I met Tony Neal. So um, me and uh, DJ Three are from the same city. Uh, DJ Three was Tony Neal's vice president at the time for the court DJs. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I would say about 2015, 2016, after being uh, out here in Phoenix, I got a lot of no notoriety. I saw the biggest piece that Phoenix was missing, which was the industry plug. Um, so I had reached out to DJ three, DJ three plucked me in with Tony and I was able to bring the core DJ retreat to Phoenix to open up the door for some of these guys. Um, and in the process is just a true story. Um, I, had, I hadn't really heard about Tony or knew who he was. So uh, with me again, and this is just a, a tad bit of being independent. You know, we have to figure out creative ways to keep our name out there and get to the next level as well. So I Googled Tony's name. And I seen he, you know, he was on live one day and Tony had like fucking 10,000 followers on his live, you know. And when I Googled his name, I didn't see uh, his website or a central platform for those followers to go to. 
And so I directly messaged him saying, Tone, I said, man, you, I think you're missing out how to monetize your platform. Um, I have some ideas. Um, let's jump on a, on a conference call. And uh, he granted that. Mm. Uh, and once we jumped on that call, I basically took the independent mind state, which is we need to start with the website. I mm. built him a website that had analytics tracked in the back so we know exactly where his followers, his people were coming from. And then I introduced him to the merch game. Now, neither one of us thought that it was going to take off the way he did. He had this platform called the Slow Jam Mixtape. Um, okay. So we dropped his first uh, his first piece of merch was just regular Slow Jam Mixtape logo. We dropped it at midnight. By the time we woke up that morning, Tony had over $25,000 worth of sales from one T-shirt. And you know, if a, nigga show you, if a nigga show you how to make money, he going to bring you close to him. You know, oh. so that that was the start of me and Tony's relationship. So are y'all still cool? No, we still cool. You know, we uh you know, not nothing but respect for Tony. He's iconic, you know. Um I just it, again when it, when I think of being independent, um I was under his wing for about five years and um mm -hmm. I got to a space to where I almost started to forget who Twan was. Um and I had a vision that was, you know, super, super huge and 15 years of experience long way before I had met Tone. Um, and so I started to feel like, you know, I was leaving me to the side. And, and it, some people can say it's an ego, but mm -hmm. I've always bet on myself. And, you know, I took that bet on myself and uh, and it worked almost overnight. So we kind of just parted ways. We haven't really spoke um, since we parted ways, but, you know, nothing but love and respect for Tone. How do you discern between uh, when, when the ego is working for you or when the ego is taking over? Well, it, when your heart's in it, you know, it, most of the times is is it's a true feeling. And I think what differentiates me is I'm an actual Pisces. And so a Pisces <laughs> is very <laughs> Pisces is very intuitive, you know, and um, we don't mind taking second fiddle. We don't mind sitting on the bench and being the sixth man until it's time for us to be in the game. But we also know that, you know, when it's fourth quarter and uh, it, it's, it, we down by two points, I'm the one that needs to have the ball in my hand, you know. And so I decided to have that faith. I decided to put the ball in my hands. And, you know, if, if I if I hit the three, I'm a hero. If I miss, then it's a learning lesson. Big the biggest lesson the, the i'm trying to figure out how to say this the most positive outcome of 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 that separation and biggest regret the biggest outcome is uh you know again being faithful is it brought me a lot closer to god you know because okay. i i didn't understand what was going on at the time because again being a pisces i'm just loyal by nature you know it don't matter who it is i'm loyal um, and I started to feel like maybe my loyalty was being um, taken for a weakness or whatnot. And so, you know, the biggest game was just the fact that I still had the courage to step out. And um, and a lot of the people, you know, they saw once I stepped away, they saw the impact of what I helped Tone build as far as, you know, his slow jam brand, um, as far as adding on to the core DJ platform. And I looked at it, you know, we, we men Tom both street niggas, you know, and I looked at our relationship like, you know, Bumpy Johnson and Frank Lucas, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes people want to do more than what they're capable of doing. 
And all I wanted to, uh, for, for Tony was to, fo- you know, he, he's iconic. He's the boss. And the, sometimes the boss don't want you to know he's even in the boss. He's even the boss. So I just wanted Tony to sit back, you know, trust me, let me handle this. Let me take it to the next level as far as the marketing side. Uh, and, and, and I'm gracious, gracious and thankful because of that. And, you know, with the five years, I've met a lot, a lot of industry people. I saw a lot of the inside to the industry, the do's, the don'ts, what works, what don't work or whatnot. And so uh, and, and at some point, Tone actually, you know, he, he brought me. My father had passed away. Tone, uh, he, you know, he, he stayed with me. He brought me out of my depression. So, mm. you know, there is nothing bad out of that situation. The only thing is bad is. The only bad thing is it's just a common where you see even with, um, you know, entertainers that are in groups. Sometimes, you know, when you have two alpha males um, that work, sometimes it's just a natural process. And that's just how it how it happens. And in my case, I believe it was just God telling me, hey, Twan, it's time for you to go, you know, take your vision to the world and it's your turn. And so I listen to that message. And sometimes that's just how it happens. I look at that as a. Uh as a positive, an extreme positive on both parts in that a great leader, you know, a good leader picks good talent, but a great leader picks people that can replace them. Correct. And, and aren't in fear of that. They understand that at some point, the person that they pick is going to want to do their own thing. And that's probably the beauty of of Tony Neal. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, of, of you wanting to, to do exactly what I do nothing wrong with that and the beauty with you is saying hey you know what i want to do exactly what you do without being messy about it right and, and i still hold, what, hold my dignity and respect and showing that reverence to you right and i think that's why we complimented each other because we 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 did i'm you know i'm, I'm naturally an artist and he's naturally a DJ, so we never was stepping on each other's toes. I feel you. And I think, and I think, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, when you talk about the ego side of the game, I think we're we're both super competitive, you know. And we would talk mm. every day, <laughs> every morning, and you know, I'd be like, "Tom, look, I got this." He'd be like, "Nigga, I got this," you know. We got super competitive, and and this is what happens just naturally along the way you know we were moving we had to shave 45 we had a lot of things going and i personally wasn't centered you know i wasn't centered where 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 i was supposed to be within my purpose and we kind of both let our egos get in the way you know and we had something big and beautiful um and you know for some reason it just uh it faltered in the end all right, so uh, so you run across Luda. Yep. Did you guys have you guys have a relationship, or was it just like f- a couple fleeting moments, and he gave you some game, and you kept it moving? Man, it, it, my we we talk about this still to this day, man. My boys was ready to whoop Luda's ass, man. I'll be real one hundred with you, man. Talk to me I'm, about that one. <laughs> The, the good thing about being in the Midwest and Wichita, there's not a lot of uh, people, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of artists to fight for opening slides. So uh, Luda uh, and shout out to DMX. That's, you know, we'll talk about that uh, later. But that's how it was able to get to Phoenix was because of DMX. But I was able to open up for Luda, uh, DMX and Fabulous. And um, I had picked DMX up from the airport. And at this point, these are the first celebrities that I've ever made uh, met on my journey besides Tech 9 and it was my biggest first show ever. It was like 10,000 people. So Luda was just coming out. He was hot. 
I was a big Luda fan, you know, Cadillacs, you know, I, I was I was just a big country fan of Luda's. And so mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to meet him backstage before he was about to um, go on to the show. And so I had my CD. I said, Luda, my name is Twan Sack, man. I'm a fan. Here go my CD, man. If you get a chance, check me out. You know, basically just trying to trying to get my imprint into his hands. He looked right. at the CD. He said, "My," he said, "Oh, that's nice." I said, "Nah, Luda, this is yours." He said, "Nigga, what the fuck do I need a CD for?" Just like that. <laughs> he said it just like that, and you know, and, and keeping in mind, I'm wet behind the ears. I know shit about the industry, man. He said that shit. I'm with 15 of my niggas. I looked over at my cousin. He said, "Man, you want to whoop this nigga?" <laughs> and, the, the, so you had a street. hustle and flow moment. Uh, man, that nigga did not act in hustle and flow. He was being himself in hustle and flow. Nigga, he said, nigga, what the fuck do I need a CD for? Just like that. And I remember I 20 was in the overalls with his T-shirt on, little skinny nigga. You know, and and only thing that stopped us from from me calling my dogs off is we had just got on the radio at home, you know, which was monumental. My my program director never played local music, so um, that was the only thing that stopped. But it, it it it's those moments that gave me the fire and motivation to keep going. You know what I'm saying? And on mm-hmm. top of that, my guy is the journey of these stories to be able to tell. I was there. I was part of that. You know, and it and I basically took. An idea from my head. I wrote it on a on a piece of paper. I went to the studio. I recorded it. I was able to touch the masses and inspire people. And now travel across the whole world, you know, uh, with that. And so again, when you talk about guys like the Tony Neils, you know, those are checkpoints to let me know that you know it was the, the, we both were gifted and we both were supposed to be a part of this game. And so I just stay down with it, bro. And it's just such a beautiful thing. So at some point, Luda ended up giving you some game and told you, basically told you to dumb down your lyrics. Was it was night. No, it was it wasn't Luda that actually said dumb down the lyrics. It was more or less um, once I got done performing that because again we were rapping street music and and mm. street music as you know is different than independent. Uh, I'm sorry, it's different than mainstream music. Fact. So it was it wasn't so much dumb down the lyrics is more. Well, how can you how can you put your music out there and reach the masses uh, with with your stories by being who you are? And I just use Ludacris as an example of when you hear Luda rap and you hear Luda's song on the radio the first time, by the time you hear it the second time, you already know half the song. You know what I'm saying? So it was always Luda that was referenced to, okay, Twan, if you if you make your rap legible to where they can understand it and make it heartfelt. You know, mm-hmm. you that might be what uh, is your difference in getting into the, the game at that time. Again, early 2000s, Gangster Rap, 50 Cent, Eminem, all these were hot guys, you know, and, and shout out to the Nellies and the Jaquans and the Chingies because they were the guys that kicked open the door, which made it possible for, possible for me to be heard. Yo, your man Chingy, man, like, I remember what what uh, what MTV show was that? The Ashton Kutcher had that he was pranking motherfuckers. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I forget the name of it. Oh, and this nigga Chingy just like literally snitched on this boy, and, and <laughs> his shit was never the same, bro. Respectfully to Chingy, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Why, you, why you snitch, bro? I mean, it's acceptable now. You know what I'm saying? A nigga can snitch and he gonna come on with a fucking Rolls Royce and all kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, back in those days, once you see, I mean, and as you can see, you know, that career never, oh, um, it never rebounded. It, it never rebounded. But what's crazy is Chingy still gets booked on the uh, Millennium Tour. You know, he's still out there and he's able to, he's an example of taking your name, making it a brand, and then being able to sustain off of, off of your brand. What are your thoughts on Nelly? Nelly's a pioneer. You know, when, when niggas was laughing about the singing shit, you know, Nelly was, he, he stuck to those guns. You know what I'm saying? And still to this day, freshman record, no features, 10 times platinum. You know, so the game needed a sound. It needed a different sound than what they were tired of hearing. And that's why I use today's game is just being wide open. You know, the auto-tune sound is 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 at is at its end. You know, rest in peace to guys like Takeoff. But now the, the world is looking for a new sound. And that's why you're starting to see the emergence of boom bap rap or or afro beats. And so when I think about Nelly, I think about he created his own sound. Nobody sounded like him before, and nobody sounded like him after. You ain't lying about that. Like I, I will like like he wasn't the first to do like the sing song melodic shit, but he, it came from such a different place. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like like low key, like and I've had speech on the show before from Arrested Development. Like I'm gonna and, and I told him like you you pretty much don't get the credit for creating that sound, but he might have been the first one to create that that sing songy flow. Yeah, and I and I think he might be right with that, you know. And um, I think Nelly just was able to get it out to the masses, you know. And, and we see that tragedy happen all the time, you know. There's a lot of great, like I'm, I pretty much with the Shade Forty Five tour, uh, I've been in every city over the last two. I mean, every city, every major mm -hmm. city. And there's so many dope artists, but you know they don't get that shot, shot, uh, shot. And I'm not for sure why. Um, Nelly just happened to to have it. He he was perfect because he had the city of St. Louis behind him um, mm -hmm. from from sports. He was already charismatic or whatnot. And so again, it's a business. It's not so much about talent because if it, it was just, yeah, if it was strictly about talent, then it wouldn't have been Nelly and the St. Lunatics. Yeah, it would have just yeah. been the St. Lunatics. Yeah. But yeah, but I know, mean, so. that, and I think that's what it is. Is that a lot of cats, you know, like like they. They may be like, I knew a cat, rest in peace, Pop. This nigga was one of the most talented MCs I've ever heard, period, bar none. It's not even close. But that talent made him arrogant. Right. You should, you know, somebody's, somebody's supposed to come sign me. And what you need is, is a good dose of talent, a good dose of humility, and a good dose of 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 uh, uh, how to deal with the politics, right, right. And well, that shit well, don't come along often. And I'm glad you said that. And that's why I feel like where where I'm positioning myself in the game, I feel like I can be the liaison in between that because a lot of these guys just don't know, you know. And the game really, bro, it just come down to money. You know, if you want to yeah. be on the Grammy uh, Awards and be nominated, there's a price for that, you know. And it, in our era, we, we was in the mud. We was in the streets. It wasn't nothing to go slang something and come back and have 20, 30 racks to play with. 
you know, these guys, they, they don't have that opportunity to do that. So I just feel like there's an underlying game going on within the hip hop industry where they're actually now using hip hop as a tool against us, you know, and that's a whole nother subject. I will say that this generation's goals have changed. Like maybe 30 years ago, like, like the goals of a lot of MCs was to get Grammys or at least to get, get recognized as, as an entity of music. And now, uh, you know, like it's a lot of cats that realize that you can get rich without getting signed, without getting radio play. You know, you really don't need the machine if you know exactly what you're doing as far as the social media game, because I've seen it. Absolutely. The, the social media, um, which, you know, when we were at, when my record was hot, um, which was called Cadillac Love, and uh, they tried to sign me. Uh, you know, we talk about Universal. They wanted to sign me and Lloyd at the same time, the R&B mm-hmm. guy. And Lloyd, um, he signed. I chose not to sign. And um, his first single was Cadillac Love. You know, and me, I had I worked my record on my own, no radio budget. I'm pulling up to the station with pizzas, acting like the pizza delivery man, and I'm getting airplay. So when his record hit, you know, BET Uncut, I was on all of that. So when his record hit the system, now it's I'm overpowered by the by the machine, you know. Okay. So wait a minute, they intentionally put out a song with the same name as your song. Absolutely. Wow. And it's right on the internet. It's called the song is called Cadillac Love. His first single release was called Cadillac Love. So like I that's, your shit today. Yeah, I didn't know he had one too. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. That's that's a back that's a backdoor back black ball. Wow. So so when you go through that, you kind of have no choice but to be independent. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> fucked up, bro. Like, I don't know how to I don't know how to say it no other polite way. Like that's fucked up, man. Um, did it did that? That, man, that's got to be disheartening. Bro, it, it just is disheartening until you realize, like, where I am today. You know what I'm saying? Because if I would have took that deal, bro, I, I would have been fucked. And my career would have been over as, as quick as it start. And I always use Fetty Wap as an example. Fetty Wap had four number one hit singles. Now mm-hmm. Fetty Wap has six years in, in the federal penitentiary for, for drug trafficking. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if you can you you can't really correlate the two. Like you, that's a bad decision on Fetty Wap's part. Well, the reason why I correlate the two is because the fame is people. You either choose the money or you choose the fame, and mm-hmm. people don't really realize that just because you signed to a major artist, uh, you got four number one. That don't mean that you're paid. You know, if your if your paperwork ain't right, the labels just use you for that. You know, and I think that's what the tragedy is with that, you know, is, you know, once you go two number one singles, you should be locked in the contract like LL Cool J forever, you know, but Damn. that's not that's not how the game is. So I, I said, man, I'd rather sell 10,000 copies at $10 and get 100 grand than sell 100,000 copies at a dollar and get 100 grand. Damn. I might not touch as many as uh, people you can as at one time, 
But what I can do is build a cult following. And that's kind of what's happening now is those those people that were my fans when I were 20. Now their mm-hmm. kids are turning 20 and, and it's like I'm rebirth all over again. And if I would have parents on, is listening to that shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, and I don't have to, you know, I, I, I have access directly to the consumer now. So you can make a bag. If you go look on Spotify, there's a lot, a lot of people who have millions and millions of streams. You'll never hear their name because they've understood that this is a music business. Twansack is actually a product. So as long as I get more out of the, the product that I put into it, I'm successful mm-hmm. at it. Okay, I feel that. So talk to me about the uh, the DMX situation. Uh, DMX, man, is, is it, I feel like bro was like an angel. Um, and I remembered, like I said, um, it was in June of 2003. Um, and what was so crazy is we had our sound check um, right after DMX is at the uh, Coliseum. And this guy actually stood in front of the stage and listened to our sound check. And um, he pulled me to the side. Uh, he said, bro, he said, man, you got a you got a South and a West Coast. He's, you know, he said you kind of flow like the West Coast, but over Southern beats. Mm-hmm. And now keeping in mind, I'm heartbroken still early about this universal Cadillac love bullshit, you know? So after the concert, um, they had an after party, um, me and DMX are sitting right next to each other. He needing some weed. I got some weed. I'm starstruck. I'm like, man, this is fucking DMX, bro. Right. He said, yo, you got some drove? I'm like, shit. Yeah, I got some drove. So in the process of, of just that two hours, man, I got to see a real brother, you know what I'm saying? And, he was just so genuine, fam. And I was like, X, man. I said, bro, I'm hungry out here, man. He, I said, any opportunities, man, you know, let me know. And he told me about Phoenix. He said, I'm in Phoenix right now, and I'm shooting a movie called Never Die Alone. He said, you should come check it out. He said, it's wide open, especially for the independent side. He said, you come out that way, you might be able to do better than what it is here at Wichita. And so that's kind of how it started. So, shit, I, the next week I flew to Phoenix now, so I heard about this studio called the Salt Mine Studio. I book an uh, hour at the studio. I walk in the studio and guess who's there? Mm. DMX. <laughs> so I said, this must have meant to be. And my first song that I ever wrote, pen and paper, was to I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. So at that point, you know, it's not an ego. At that point, you you realize that, damn, this is my purpose. I'm arrived. I'm here. You know, and so it was that interaction with DMX that allowed and gave me the confidence that, damn, maybe the independent side might be the way. And I also, over the years, you know, got closer to him and I saw the fight. I saw the demons attacking him, you know, and I saw him just he he go to Walmart, he go to the hood bars and he just was, you know, he was just inspiring, dude. You know what I'm saying? So DMX was really a physical angel here on this planet. Excuse me. Wow. Yo, I, I, you know, you, you, you hear stories of motherfuckers that you don't never get a chance to actually talk to, talk about DMX, and you kind of wonder, you know, is they just bullshitting because he didn't pass on? But damn, bruh. Yeah, dead ass. Yeah. Yo, that's yeah. crazy. So, yeah. so he the reason you out there. Yep, he's the reason I, I he put because when he said Phoenix, I, I you know we thought desert again. I'm from Kansas, we don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like Phoenix. 
And man, when I came out to Phoenix, bro, it's it's such an oasis out here. It's it's a city of seven million people. And meanwhile, you know, I'm already in the independent state of mind. So I'm I'm wrapping trucks and I'm retail ready out the packaging. And when I got to Phoenix, what nobody doing that. So I say, you know what? This is the theory I'm gonna take. I got on the radio at home and I went from the radio to the streets. I said, I'm supposed to reverse engineer this. I'm supposed to build my name in the streets first, hand to hand, damn near. And then I'm going to see if I can get to the radio, you know, and I saw the difference between the two. You know, when you go from radio and then to the streets, they don't really Mm -hmm. respect that. But when you go from the streets to the radio, they say, man, I bought that motherfucker shit at the car wash. You know, now those people are really they become really cult following fans. You know, you know it's crazy. So- I seen I, I can't remember which video it was, but there was a comment where somebody literally said they bought a CD of yours from the car wash and took that shit to the West Coast. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I went through about 100,000 copies uh, in, in the span of about five years when I first touched down in Phoenix, you know, and that's, so I was nice seeing. Living. I was seeing so much because it was there on a daily basis. You know, I'm collecting five or six hundred dollars out the streets and bro, I ain't got to sell no, no dope. It's all legit. You know, and you know, I'm raised by a single mother and a preacher all together, my grandfather. So I, I just felt like with the trials that I had had to overcome, I just I felt like God was blessing me, you know. And so now since God is blessing me, now I have to figure out how do I take this craft? Because once you be, once you get one fan, you owe yourself to that fan, you know? And so now mm. it's like, so now I have to develop myself and say, okay, really, what is you talking about, Twan? Like, really, what's your message? What you really trying to get out here? And I think that hand-to-hand combat and getting to see these different personalities and then also getting to see the work ethic as far as it, it paying off immediately, I, I couldn't go no other way, bro. Yo, so, so and, and I don't know if you got a chance to hear the intro song, you know that's Richie Evans. That's my guy, absolutely. Yeah, I had him on the show before, man, and that's probably like let's just never die, man. It's probably like, and it's it's fucking my money up too. I'm not even gonna lie. Use not. I've only used this is the second time I've used it, um, but I can't. You know they 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 fucking with me because of the copyright shit. They but cut it so, off. Oh my god, it's so fucking dope, man. Um, and dude was just such a, a phenomenal interview. But, like, you don't hear too often anybody from Phoenix as far as hip-hop is concerned. And it's you and him. Yeah. Uh, Richie, man, it's, it's, it's funny because, um, it, it, man, and these, it's just, it, these are blessings when we have these type of conversations because that, it, again, it lets me know that, that I'm dead on uh, on my purpose. But I, in 2009, um, and this is six years after Cadillac Love, all that shit died down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm contemplating whether or not I should even be rapping at this point, you right. know, and I'm really about to hang it up because the streaming shit is about to start to come into the place. And now the value of, uh, you know, retail and all that is going away. Stores is closing. Uh, the money's slowing up. Dis- distribution companies is going out of place. And so I'm sitting at a bar through our story. Um, this girl had took a picture of our titties and I said, send it to me. And she sent it. <laughs> My she bad, bro. Go ahead. True story. She sent it to the wrong person. And so the dude called her. He was like, man, who is this? 
and it happened to be a promoter uh for the all-star weekend thing he was like he said uh it's twice that's twice and he was he was like put him on the phone so right when i'm getting drunk contemplating about quitting dude gets on the phone he said hey man he said i've been trying to get a hold of you he said i need you and richie evans to open up for ti tomorrow for the all-star weekend you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, ah, shit, hell yeah. So I guess I'm not quitting rap, you know? And so I met Richie that night. He had this song called Everybody Knows Me. And just, you know, there are some people that just have it. You can feel it, you know? And me and Richie, we, like, even right now, we ta- we've been tapped in ever since, man. So salute to a good-hearted brother, man. Yo, yeah, I... I, I... For whatever reason, man, like uh, this journey has taken me to a lot of positive energy. You know, like like the way the way you reached out. Some days I'm sitting there doing nothing, and for whatever reason, somebody said, "Hey, you know what? X, Y, and Z," or I just happen to be scrolling through something, and somebody just that that energy of whatever I'm looking at is, like, and then it, I understand basically. Long story yeah. short. You know, yeah, and, um, and, and it's been tough, bro, because, you know, when I when I go back to the tail end of man, Tom, um, here's how the devil works. If you look at basketball, right, let's just use basketball. First, okay. second, third quarter, you know, the game is is up and down. But if you up in the fourth quarter and, and you the home team, the other team's job is that now you start to see the game happen. Now they shooting faster. You know, they coming at you. Yeah. And that's the way that's the same way the devil works. You know what I'm saying? So with those with with that analogy, I realize I'm in the fourth quarter and the ball's in my hand. You know what I'm saying? And so now it's it's really gravitating to it really is a spiritual fight out here. It's the good versus the, the bad. You know, and I think that that's what this music has always done. Music has always connected the real ones and is also also connected to fuck shit as well. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, going back to what I said earlier, it is our time and it is our duty to give these guys the game. And if we can, like you mentioned with Cardi B, if we're in a position to be able to get them or inspire or help them get on, guess who's going to bless you for that? The, The man upstairs. And you'll be able to continue to live off of this until you say, you know, you're retired till you're done. You know, so it's it's a blessing, bro. And salute to you, man. I, I love the way the platform came along. I remember when you first started and, you know, I reached out to you and you didn't hesitate to reach back to me. And I think that this is a start of a great relationship. And I see some things that you and I can build up on. And let's just uh, let's help the next generation. Oh, man, I'm always on that shit, man. Like, I, I love like I don't talk to everybody that I've had on the show after the fact, because some people just don't want to be bothered. They want to do their shit and keep it moving. I'm not mad at you, you know, but those people that you can't have that relationship with, man, that's that's why I do the show. Oh, oh. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. And it's a dope name, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and, and shout, out, shout out to the OGs, you know, Johnny O, you know, good good dude. Shout out to uh, Hef, you know what I'm saying? And oh, I've been guys. Yeah, and I've been around the whole circus, so I know who's for you know who who's for the game and who who's really just taking money out the game and don't give a shit about the game, Man. and and you know and that's kind of who's all connecting is is we have bro if we don't connect and if you know and it, this is my thing with the DJs you know if the DJ the DJs and artists are the same 
you know, and the artist can't just rap and think he's got he's got to do extra. And and because we are in the digital age, I think a lot of the disconnect with some of the older DJs is the digital age is coming so fast. Technology is going up so fast that it's kind of hard sometimes to stay up with the with the curve. Yeah. And yeah. that's why and a lot of motherfuckers refuse to stay up with it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But that's why I keep the young niggas around me. You keep the young niggas around you. You, you always on, on, you know, and put your ego to the side. If you, if you see a, a young nigga that can gas and go, put him out there. You know the what shit's going to change whether you like it or not. Yeah. Whether you like you it or not. You can be involved or you cannot. It's up to yeah. you. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, speaking of that, give me some motherfuckers like uh, recently, and, and it, I mean really recently, like Scarlet for me. Oh my God! I've listened to a couple of her joints, and she, she different. She reminds me actually of DMX a yeah. lot. Yeah, you know. Um, but give me somebody that I should be looking out for. Uh, artist wise, man, I think uh, one the guy that that's uh, and he's a street rapper, but his his flow and his sound is so fucking dope, bro. Uh, Big X the plug out of Dallas, Texas. I'm not sure if you heard that name. Never but, heard of him. Big X the plug is dope. Uh, I know he had, uh, you know, he had a lot of action at labels uh, looking to sign him uh, as well. Uh, he's super dope. Um, there's this chick that I've always been trying to track down. Uh, she's out of the Carolinas and her, she goes by the name of Mary Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, she came uh, when I was doing KOD, King of Diamonds on Tuesday nights with uh, Wally Coyote in, in Atlanta. She mm-hmm. came through one night and she blessed the mic and bro, I've been kind of stuck. And that's how I've always been. I've always listened to more up and coming um, dope artists than I have more. So, of uh, okay, they just hit the radar now and turned on to them. So mm-hmm. I think those are two artists. And then one other artist, he's from Canada. Uh, he's, he's a, I call him the strip club rapper. Uh, he goes by the name of Freak Boy. <laughs> he, he's pretty fucking dope as well. <laughs> the free <laughs> strip club rapper, and I'm looking for this because it's it's a sister, and I want to say she's from Texas. I actually uh got a chance to check her out. She did. The Russell had like a challenge, and damn, I cannot remember this this chick's name, but it looks like she's kind of like fucking with that. Matter of fact, here it is, right here. Uh, what is old Driz the CEO? Yo, my guy. Yeah, I'm not fire. She dope. Yo, my yeah. guy, nigga. Driz the CEO goes hard, bro. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. I have no clue. Like, I have no no skin in the game. I don't know her from a, from a can of paint. But I seen her do the challenge, and then I kind of looked at some of the stuff that she's done outside of the challenge, and your girl can flow. That's dope. That's yeah. dope. Man, you know, what's crazy is, you know, I've been in, like you said, every market, um, you know, with the Save 45 platform, that's kind of, we turned it into a tour and gave artists opportunity to rock their music and then get heard by, by the millions of listeners. And we and it was crazy. And this is why I know that DJs and artists have to work together because prior to us starting the tour, um, I think the show had about 4 million listeners. By the mm-hmm. time we were uh, about the ninth or 10th uh, city in, we had increased that listener base from 4 million to about 32 million people. Damn. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I like said 12 people listening to me, bro. 
Yeah, right, bro. Yeah, he said. Hey, it's better to have twelve solid motherfuckers listening to you than a hundred fake motherfuckers listening to you. You know what I'm saying? If that was the case, but nah, that ain't the that ain't the case, OG. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. How the fuck do a nigga get on shady? And did you meet Eminem? Uh, uh no, nah, I ne- I didn't meet Eminem. But here's another tragedy to the story. So. Proof of D12. Uh, it was April of 2008. Um, I had just got done rocking the show with uh, ICP and St. Clown Posse at the Marquee Theater. I'm coming out the back. We smoking. And and I recognize dude voice from uh, I just recognize his voice. So he hears the record Cadillac Love playing. I'm pulling up and like, he hears the record and he comes up to me. And he was like, bro, he said, you Twonsack? And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, long story short, he, he had heard about me. And he said, man, he said, bro, he said, I'm going to go. I get in the house built in West Phoenix. He said, I'm going to Detroit. I'll be back next week. Let's sit down to chop about, you know. And at this at this time, he had the Iron Fist label. And so I'm like, bet. And I was like, well, shit, maybe I left Phoenix, left Kansas, and this is my shot, you know, and. Bro, I remember it was Friday morning. Whatever, it was either Friday or Saturday morning, and I looked on the news, man, and it said proof of D12 dead. You know what I'm man. saying? And, and I just was again. It's like, damn, I'm so close. I'm so close, and these these tragedies kept happening uh, right there. But I damn near would have almost met Eminem, and it would have been gracious to be in that that camp. But you know, uh, as you can see, life life careened a different way. You cannot possibly imagine. How much of an imprint proof? Like I know M that sold gazillions of records or whatever, but as far as Detroit is concerned, proof was a god. Yep. Like it's yep. not it's, it, proof, proof it's not, it's not even close between the two, between him and M, or to be quite honest, any him and anybody to be if you want to keep it a buck. Yeah, it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a M if it wasn't for proof. You know, straight Thanks. up, it wouldn't be that. And and that guy, you know, when I look at proof and I look at Tupac, I look at some of the similarities. And it's and I and even with in today, and I compare it to some of these young man. When when you get that fame at twenty and twenty one, twenty two, and, and you don't have you know the masterpiece or the P D or the people right around you to guide you, it's easy to fall into that realm. You know, and I can't say I didn't. You know, when my bag was big, I'm fucking at the casino and I shouldn't even be at the casino. I should have put that. I could be buying rental properties or whatever. But you you don't under, you don't really understand what that is until you it happens to you. And when I look at people like the Dolphs, um, young Dolph, sometimes, man, that money, you know, when you get a lot of it, sometimes you think you above, you know, you above the, the nonsense. And and that's just not how, you know, that's not how. So the tragedy is, is still, you know, even though they were mature artists and ahead of their time, they still were young. You know, everybody goes yeah. through a young and dumb phase. And, and unfortunately, they didn't make it out of theirs. Yeah, you you know, people think you can buy your way out the bullshit that you created sometimes. Yeah, and you know, look at NBA Young Boy and uh, Little Dirk. You know, they they're they're maturing. They're understanding that if we don't stop this beef, you know, one, we're gonna have more dead homies. But two, it, we're we're lo- we're losing our music. You know, rap is our strongest form of communication in the streets. I don't care what nobody say; it's our strongest form of communication, and we're losing that. 
You know, and I see a guy like Post Malone. Post Malone is fucking dope. Don't get me wrong. But they're, they don't give a fuck about your talent. They have the money that they can take anybody and make you a fucking mega star, a superstar. Oh it, they, can, they can do What's that. boy out of uh, uh, fucking Kentucky with the movie? Uh, uh, out of, you got you got Bubba, Bubba Sparks from Atlanta. Uh, I know, I know. I actually, who you, I actually fuck with Bubba Sparks. Like Bubba Sparks, like like he actually put you know like he came kind of through the trenches. But I'm talking about uh, uh, the dude, the young cat now that's that's in uh, white men can't jump that they just are like for the, the the white dude that they just trying to force onto hip hop, which you know like. I don't have nothing against him personally. It's just the way that the machine is going about it. And it seems like they, you know, him and, uh, uh, what is it? Dicky something. Uh, yeah. yeah little Dickie, the rapper. Little Dick, yeah. He, he yeah. dope though. That motherfucker. Yeah, but, but they but gave it, him a, 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 a stardom that he just didn't seem to earn. Right. Right. Well, I mean, look, look at it like this. So in, in, in black, uh, in corporate America, as black men, you know, if we don't have a degree, when we walk into those meetings and all that, we are already two steps behind the eight ball because nice. we got to prove, first of all, we not a nigga because that's what they that's how they look at us. Right. And so corporate America belongs to them and we have to earn our way. Well, in, in hip hop, it's ours. So the white boys have to do the same. And guess what? The white boys are doing. They are putting in the work. They're doing all the shit that niggas don't want to do. You know what I'm saying? And so those guys like that, it's, it's not like they got lucky. You know, they, they earned it. They earned their shot. You know what I'm man, saying? Man. I think they're given opportunities that aren't given to other people. Because yeah. Yeah. they know that what they look like, if they get, like, if you get 4% street cred as a white dude, you are successful. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a brother needs 97% of street cred. Yeah. Yeah. And I that, mean, it's and that 97% is so close to, like, you got to have one foot in prison and one foot out of prison, you know, and you, it could go either way. You see all the brothers as they locking up. Some of them is like just barely skating past that, but you need to, to to balance that line to be quote unquote successful nowadays as a brother. A white dude just gotta say a couple of hard lines and voila. Now Hollywood wants to get this nigga a six movie deal. <laughs> well, I think we allowed that shit. You know what I'm that, saying? That is true. I think we allowed that shit because uh, you know, look looking at where who who the listener is you we don't even let we don't even support our own communities and listen to our own shit and so if i'm a white dude in today's industry i have a better chance of making it long term more than the black dude does because the the listener especially on radio is is 70 80 percent suburban you know and i i use phoenix and and hurdles for like richie you know richie fucking burnt it he he fucking killing it. He got a record with Rick Ross. He, I mean, he he's on fire. But Phoenix has a problem of nobody. They never built with the consumers. You know what I'm saying? So you got rappers listening to other rappers. Niggas want to rap for other rappers and all kind of shit. So they lost their way. And th when you lose yeah. your way, this is what happens. You know, and yeah. it's been happening not just with hip hop, jazz, rock and roll. You know, the, the white man, he's he not a thief. 
he just he's just smart. He know that okay, let let a nigga be one foot in the pen. We're gonna still sign him, but we also gonna go get an insurance policy on his I'm ass. So I'm gonna call thievery, but you know we can differ <laughs> on that one. <laughs> hey, no nigga can can steal from you unless you know he's stealing from you. You know what I'm saying? Like real shit. Like you you have to be re- re- retarded to know a nigga stealing from you. You know what I'm saying? And these dudes, they, they don't steal. They just, it's in front of them. They, they put it in a language and they catch us where we see, like, just like my contracts. The first page says 700000 for a single deal. But on the backside of it, it said no royalties, no rights. All I seen was 700000 Yeah, but you know most, motherfuckers can't, most motherfuckers can't read hieroglyphics. And if you put the contract in hieroglyphics, you, do you blame the person that that is uh, never seen hieroglyphics before, or do you blame the person that is fluent in hieroglyphics and wrote it in in, in hieroglyphics intentionally? That I mean, that's that's a great question, and that's a great point. You know, and I guess if it's me, if you write some shit to me in some hieroglyphics, man, I'm going to somebody to decode this shit. I'm not but just going. That see, that that be the problem though, is that the ones that are successful. Think that everybody should think or look through their prism. And yep. most people aren't capable of doing that. There's a reason Jordan was not a good coach, not yep. a good GM. Because yep. he looked at everybody through his prism. You should, why aren't you working as hard as me? Or why don't you have this particular? You were born with certain innate abilities that you had nothing, no control over having. You Absolutely. came with a womb with that, you know. But You've had it your whole life, so you can't consciously see why the rest of the world doesn't have that. Most of us don't have that blessing. That's facts. I will say that's facts. That's dope, though. That's facts. And I really never thought about it like that. You know what I'm saying? Because I've always looked at a lot of this shit to be common sense. You know, and and the the more that I I am in it, the the higher that I go, I realize that it is the gift because most artists, and I'm not not no difference. It don't matter how long or how successful you be, you still at some point doubt doubt yourself. You yes. know what I'm saying? And so I I think me as a human being, I fell into that self doubt at times, uh, as well. Um, you know what I'm saying? And and I just try to say okay. It's just education. I just saw the common theme, even removing music from the platform and just in, in life. I just thought that being educated and not not book smart, not college educated, but just knowing what's going on and what you're up against. You know, th- these niggas know how to throw up gang signs and they know how to break that down. Well, take the same energy and apply it on, on in, in this atmosphere, in this in, in this side of the game as well. And that's what I always thought was common sense. But again, yeah. I realized that that's yeah, what God it's, it's, gave me as the gift. You know, like you got to think, like especially motherfuckers that grew up in in areas where, you know, like t- let's take Nipsey, for example. What do you say? He was third generation, a gangbanger. So he was just an anomaly of, of, of in a sea of niggas that had absolutely no other vision but banging. Mm-hmm. Grew, they mama bang like I interviewed a, a brother uh, shout out to Lil Sody from the A-Trade A-tray gangsters out in LA his mama was a banger his old man was a banger so what you everything that you're seeing the prism that you're seeing through is through colors right 
You know, so what? You, how you learning shit? You know, it's not that you're incapable of learning. It's the 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 booklets that you're given are different. Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. You know, yeah. and both both my brothers. You know, my brother did twenty eight years in the pen. You know, and my other brother was shot five six times and. And I just didn't want to go through that, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was affiliated just by family, but I didn't want to go to the pen. I didn't want to be shot. You know what I'm saying? And so that that's also as well as the blessing. Eight years, nigga? 28 years, bro. Tell, 28. That, nigga, tell that nigga to come on the show, bro. We need to talk. Absolutely. And, he, and, he's, doing, and he's doing well. You know, uh, he, he struggled coming out. You know, he went back in for about a year. He came back out. We had a heart-to-heart talk. You know, I told that nigga, you was gone half my motherfucking life. You know what I'm saying? Like, you was my protector. You was gone. You know what I'm saying? So I had to get out there and get this shit. And, and I think it was that last call that I had with him. And he came out, bro. He, he got in the trucking game. Uh, but the tragedy is, is now my nephew, which is his son, you know, what, what do you think he did? He wanted to be like his father. So he, he got about eight more years of his 20-year bid left. <sighs> Yeah, it's like 50 years between the two of them. Man. And, and you can see it one, once they realize how dumb the shit is. You know what I'm saying? Like, your homie ain't there. Your set ain't there. You know what I'm saying? And then you get out. You know, and my brother was one of the first gang. He was one of the first. He was the pioneer. And he got out and no respect. You know, he, he thinking he can go by and, and, and check the little homies. And all. they don't give two shit. Then, brother, they'll kill your ass. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, so he kind of just a kinda, fossil. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's crazy is this motherfucker made more money in the pen than he than they do on the outside. So that's Yo. why they that's why they stay in the pen. You know what I'm saying? A motherfucker can send me twenty racks from the pen. That's shit's crazy to me. Yo, nigga, I, I interviewed uh, a brother not too long ago that did twenty four years. He got a YouTube channel. Shout out to Chill. Uh, 16 to life. You get a chance to check out his YouTube channel. Very, very dope. But this nigga was selling. He was like, you know what? I did, I, I decided to sell cigarettes because it, 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 it really wasn't no punishment, a real punishment for you. You get a write up and you keep on moving. But nigga, like the money they was making off of tobacco. Yeah. Was fucking, ins- <laughs> was insane. Man, that's dope. It's like real dope. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, and, and and that's what that's even to this day, bro. That's why I be addicted to be around hood niggas and street niggas that come out the pen, bro. Because they come out, they education that they get, bro, be be crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I and I remember when we didn't have no motherfucking microwave. Uh, moms had left us some some the ramen noodles that you put the water in. And we hungry than a motherfucker. We trying to figure out how to eat. This is all we got. We ain't got no microwave. We can't even cook, man. Bro took a lamp. He cut the end of the lamp where the plug was at and wrapped the motherfucking splice wires around some toenail clippers and put the toenail clippers in the water and the noodles. And that shit heated up, nigga. I said, I, bro, that shit turned me out. You know what I'm saying? I said, damn. And these niggas come out sharp, fam. So... That's part of being educated as well, bro. And I think that's why I've been able to survive for all these years, man. You know, having the books. I don't, books even, I, I don't <laughs> want to have the need to know something that poor. 
Yeah. Respectfully. <laughs> like, nigga, that's poor, poor, bro. I don't need that. I don't want to. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but seeing it, again, when you see it, you don't want parts of it. So you do everything and knowing that's why music has saved my life. Because I was able to see that shit as a youngster. And I said, man, I, this ain't some shit that I want to be accustomed and used to. You know what I'm Yo, saying? That so, is crazy. <laughs> Yo, that is crazy. Yo, and, and I'm, I'm bad. I know we kind of went over, man. Um, Yo, is it if people want to get in touch with you, they want to they, they, they uh, get your services, they want to promote something, whatever the case may be, how they go about doing that? It's uh, twansack.com. Every, all the links is there. Um, T e w a n s a c. Um, you can see my whole music catalog, which dates back to the early two thousands. Uh, the Smoking Rod Mix Show dot com, just like it smelled. Smoking Rod Mix Show. Um, you can check out the links to all of our shows. They air from Thursday to uh, Sunday, and then the blueprint that I've created for the industry. After again. Been and watching, been next to Tone, been around some of the key players. I've developed the blueprint and the strategy that I know works from top to bottom. And that's a prophecy, P-R-O-F-I-T-C-Y, musicgroup.com. Yo, uh, I got to get me on the show one day, man. So we, can talk, so we can talk strictly hip-hop so I, I can listen to some shit. Although I'm Absolutely. very opinionated, man. If you, if y'all don't want, if the niggas don't want to hear that their music is trash, don't bring me on. Because if it's trash, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> bro, it, it, it's crazy because I had to battle with that. You know, uh, you know the music that I was putting out, and, and you could still have the same formula. But again, this music is targeted now. You know what I'm saying? So I hadn't yeah. dropped the uh, product. The last record I did was, uh, you know, Jay White is from Kansas as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Me and him go back to 2010, uh, 11. You talk about Cardi B. He did Bodak Yellow. Uh, I like it. Money. So Jay uh, produced a lot of my last tracks. And um, I struggled with putting them out there because the music, I felt, one, it was changing so fast. And, and two, you know, what I was what I was on really wouldn't have got the attention that it should have got the attention. Mm -hmm. Because basically I write from experiences now that that music is back i'm geared up in the lab bro I, i'm I, I got the budget together and you first to see twan sack pull off the e40s and, and as they say the ogs gotta stay in the game or whatnot so uh, my heart has always been with the music except for i just basically use the music to open the doors not only for myself but for anybody else that have the talent to drive that's willing to put the work in to walk through these uh this, this volatile shit. yo and if there's anything I can do to help, bro, just let me know. And tell that nigga 40, man, come holler at me. I need some drinks, too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going to tap in, man, because this is your good brother. I watch you grow. Um, you know, I watch how you get down. And, and just to take an hour of your time to talk to a country nigga like me, you know, that oh, means man, a man, lot. You get the fuck out of here with that bullshit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, nigga. <laughs> hey, but that means a lot, bro. You know, no stone goes unturned. You know what I'm saying? So, man, I'm, I'm excited about getting to see what we can enhance or what we can do to help each other. Um, what's oh, my, you know, what I got, you can have. You know what I'm saying? And we just going to continue to keep going, bro. Know. Yeah, we we definitely gonna tap in, man. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna shoot you my number, man, in, in the DM, man. So whatever you need, just hit me up. Okay, let's get it, man. All right, man. No doubt, man. Have a good one, man. Appreciate All right, love, you, bro. Appreciate it. Yep. No All doubt. Right, one. All right. Yo, and uh, 
come on, man. That was Twine Sack, man. Very, very, very dope conversation. Y'all already know, man. This is Jobs uh, from Intellectually Petty Radio. Next week, next Thursday at 7 p.m., we're doing Table Talk. And some new shit that I came up with, man. And we're just going to let, you know, just rant, you know, people from out in the podcast sphere or wherever the fuck you at. If you want to come on the show, come on the show. And we're going to talk some shit. I'll bring a couple of topics. But for the most part, you bring whatever you want to talk about. Long as it ain't nothing ridiculous. All right. Um, again, this is Jobs. Shout out to Nerd DJs. And I'm out. <laughs> Cause I live it, homie. Talk that bread, cause I get it, homie. S550 with the pistol on me.